Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first lesson is from Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 5, page 692 in your Pew Bibles. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see through your vindication, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second passage, as I mentioned before, this is John's account, uh, the only gospel account of the wedding at Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine. So listen again with fresh ears. We are in John 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, "'They have no wine.' And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you speak of me at lunch at the water cooler with your friends and family, please speak of me kindly. Have you heard that two television antennas got married? 
The wedding was a disaster, but the reception was fantastic. <laughs> Today we're talking about weddings. And I bet if you, you stopped and you thought through your history with weddings, you might be able to think of a wedding where something might have gone wrong. There is so much when you plan a wedding. There is food, there are flowers, there is the service itself, there are the guests, there are the groomsmen, the bridesmaids, the dresses, the bow ties, the, the place, the pictures, there's so much, all, all of the family from all sides coming and converging, wonderful celebrations, but also challenges. With so much coordination challenge, it's a wonder that there aren't more things that go wrong at weddings. I can think of two in my own experience where things didn't go quite right. Uh, one, when I was uh, an associate pastor in Raleigh, North Carolina, it was a smaller wedding. We were in the chapel, and we waited, and the, the bride and the groom were there. The wedding party was there, but not the bride's mother. No word from her. We're waiting. We're waiting. Forty-five minutes pass. An hour pass. Hour and a half passes. Come on, are we going to get this done today? Starting to worry about the reception time and plans. Well, we get word that her condominium is on fire, and she couldn't get out because the emergency vehicles had blocked her driveway. Now, she was okay, and her house was okay. Didn't get burned. She was in the middle. Fire was on the end. But you never know what's going to happen. Another time, I was in Tallahassee and doing a, a beach wedding for some friends from that church. Beach weddings, a little differently, a little more informal. So we're on the beach facing the ocean with the, the archway standing there, about 150 degrees, but we'll, we'll make that work. That's fine. So I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt, uh, khakis, no shoes, as everybody else did. I had a stole on. Uh, and a collar on my Hawaiian shirt, which should surprise no one. But the issue was that from the wind blowing, you couldn't hear, so we needed, I needed to be amplified, so, and they did as well. Well, the DJ was also the sound guy, and I said, do you have a, a lavalier mic or one of these, you know, Britney Spears-looking things that I can just wear and put on? And he said, no, Pastor, all I have is a stand and a handheld microphone. I said, I, I don't want that. To me, that looks like uh, some kind of form of entertainment. It doesn't convey worship. So sometimes we've got to take one for the team as pastors, and underneath my Hawaiian shirt was just me duct taped that handheld microphone to my chest, buttoned it back up, and so they're both speaking into my collarbone so we can get all of that. Weddings are prone for things to go wrong. Today's passage is a perfect example of that. We are in the Gospel of John. And remember, John's Gospel is a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the synoptic Gospels because they're so similar, um, and they draw on each other a lot. Uh, John shares some of the same stories but does many things his own way. Uh, the wedding at Cana is only recorded in his Gospel. And we are very early in the gospel. Only the baptism has happened of Christ. And so this is a brand new introduction to Jesus, if you're just reading the gospel of John. So what's our situation? We're in, in Cana. Where is that? That is north 
of where Jesus grew up in Nazareth. So you have Jerusalem and Bethlehem kind of down south, and you, have, you trace the Jordan up, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and around there uh, is Nazareth, and just a few miles north of Nazareth is Cana. Both small towns, Nazareth and Cana. Um, we don't know who it was in relation to Jesus and the disciples, but they, they would have been invited, and Jesus' mom came. She's never mentioned as Mary, but keeps referring to her as the mother of Jesus. So we know that's who it is. So they would have known them probably personally, intimately, could have been family, we don't know. So the third day, they enter the celebration. Now, we also know that weddings in Palestine at that time lasted about a week, about seven days. It was a full community event that would literally invite the whole town, the whole neighborhood, and things processed around from house to house. But the house of the groom was where the party was located. It's where all the food was, it's where all the drink was, and you were expected to have plenty of all of that. So Jesus' married disciples come in about the third day for the, so the, the ceremony would have already happened. We don't know why they weren't there earlier, but now we're in the reception part of that. And then it occurs. This dialogue between Mary and Jesus, his boy. Mary looks at Jesus and realizes that there's a problem. She says, the wine has run out. Now, think back to all of you who've had a mother or a father, but today we're focusing because of Mary on mothers. Now, if your mother ever looked at you and said, your room is a mess, or you got a D on your test, or the dog needs to go out, those are statements of fact, but built into those statements are, you better go and do something about it. You better clean that room, you better take the dog out, you better study for that next test. And this interaction between Mary and Jesus is no different. I think about the mother-son relationships in this congregation to put that spin on it. Could be Margie and Boone Bickerstaff. Could be Jimmy and Mrs. McCorlew. Could be Collier and Catherine Trotter. Could be Chris and Faye Woodruff. The mom look, the eyes are in play in this story. Because Jesus right away says, woman, what, what is this to you or to me? And then he says, my hour has not yet come. The first part of that is, I don't, I don't want to be bothered by this. Why, why, why do we need to attend to this at all? And when Jesus says woman, that is not a term of disrespect. Um, it is a, a, a term of, of um, welcome or, or a term of warmth. Um, John uses it one other time, and that's at the crucifixion. In John 19, if you remember when Jesus was about to die on the cross, he looks down and sees uh, John, the beloved disciple, and Mary, and says, woman, this is your son, this is your mother to John, so they would take care of each other. He says that same word, woman. Uh, it's not disrespectful. So Jesus is not being disrespectful to his mother. However, those of you who actively live with your mothers, I would suggest you not responding to a request by saying, woman, it is not my time to clean my room. Just that is not going to do any good for you, my friend. Just, just let that be in Scripture. 
So Jesus says, I, you know, why do I want it? Why do I care? My, my hour has not yet come. Let's take that phrase. My hour has not yet come. We can see that in a couple of different ways. Again, this is the first of seven miracles, or as John calls them, signs, that John records in his gospel, the first one. It may very well be that Jesus isn't ready yet to be discovered, to be known, to start stirring the pot, because the more he gets known, the more he is at risk, and the more difficult his ministry will be. We know from just having celebrated the birth story a few weeks ago at Christmas that just his birth caused Herod to go crazy and see him as a threat. Wise men came to ask Herod, where's the king of the Jews who was born? I'm the king of the Jews. Who are you talking about? From his birth, they started to work against him, and those in power in the Jewish temple and the Roman leadership were threatened and started to work against him. And this is no different. Jesus could very well be saying, I'm not, I'm not ready to blow my cover yet, in other words. I will do this in God's time. The other piece of that is if we look towards the spiritual kingdom or eschatologically at the end times when Christ will come again, it could also mean that end times. My hour is not yet ready. I'm not to the cross just yet. I'm not to the time where all that will happen and the world will change. Either way, Jesus says, my hour is not yet come. And then my guess is, he, he had the mom eyes looking at him because he doesn't say anything. Mary just says to the servants, do what he tells you to do, and then Jesus does it. Okay, so he makes this statement, what does this matter? I'm not ready yet. And then immediately he does what she's asking him to do. To do. Again, good mother-son contact relationship communication. So they have the six stone jars and these are huge, okay, six of these. So 20 to 30 gallons in each one of these. So if you, you think of a, a gallon of milk, 20 or 30 of those in one of these huge uh, stone vases, these jars. They were usually filled with water for Jewish purification rites. And so they're here, but they are empty, interestingly enough. Jesus says, go fill them with water. So we have six of them, so that's anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons of water that becomes wine. That's a party right there, and that's a lot. So go fill them up. So they do that, and he says, okay, now take some to the, the chief wine steward and let him know what you've got. So the servants take it to the wine steward, and he tastes some, and he's like, oh, my goodness. How, how amazing is that? Now, he didn't see the transformation from water to wine. The servants who filled the water knew it, and the disciples knew it. Those were the two, and Mary, of course. So the servant goes and, and goes to the groom who's coordinating the party, and he says, wow, you have done this kind of differently than we normally do it. Usually, you put the good wine out front. I'm not asking anyone. I'm not looking for hands for parties that have been hosted. You put the good wine out front, and then once people get a little far along, then you bring out the bad stuff, and nobody knows any of the difference. Here, you've already had the good wine out, but this is even better wine that you've kept in the back. Well done. Good for you. The steward doesn't 
get it. He misses completely the miracle or the sign that has just taken place. And as we often do, we realize, and let's use the word sign as opposed to miracle. Miracle we put on this kind of higher plane, but John refers to these seven miracles that we would say also as signs. Signs puts it into more direct and understandable terms. This event is a sign that Jesus is here in something miraculous is happening, and this is a beginning of something that is going to be a change of the way things are, and more good things are coming. So if you think about signs, I know that God is trying every day to send us signs to communicate, to make contact with us, and we too, like the steward, if we don't dismiss it right out, we go and we thank the wrong person because we don't understand who the source is, and in this case, it's Christ. So he goes, he thanks the groom, and the groom must must have thought, what are you talking about? I did just that. I put the good stuff out, and we got the bad stuff in the back ready. So it marks a beginning. It marks a beginning, well, there are several things for us. Number one, if we look at these huge jars as a symbol of traditional religious Judaism or religion in general, Jesus comes in and he takes the ordinary that exists in that water, fill them up, I'm getting ready to do something new and amazing and change this ordinary substance into not just wine, but good wine. And in so much abundance, just like the loaves and fishes, no one can say that this didn't happen or no one can say that our God skimps or God wants us to just kind of exist or status quo ourselves along. Jesus is a God of abundance. And these overdone miracles that Jesus does to prove the point reminds us that our God showers us with grace. The Old Testament imagery, Old Testament imagery of ample and abundant wine and food are images of the afterlife, of the kingdom to come, and it's what Jesus is laying down for us as well in the Gospels. He's broken into our kingdom, and things are going to start to change. So that first one, again, the understanding in those jars is that he's doing something new with the existing shell, with the existing body. He's not saying what has been is bad, but he's saying, I'm going to do something new. And we're going to change the way things are. Second, yes, Jesus is at a celebration and at a party. And it's okay for us as Christians to say that our faith should be a celebration. And we should not have to come out of obligation and duty and see our faith as if we look in colors, as Debbie was talking about with the children, gray. How is your faith? It's fine. 
How is, what's your relationship with Christ? It's fantastic. We were meant to celebrate this journey. That doesn't mean it's all happy, happy sing-song, but it means that we celebrate that joy that we are never alone when we walk with Christ. That is the celebration. And yes, we should have more parties as a faith congregation that are rooted in Christ with the celebration and understanding that this is a journey in which we are graced with so much and called to celebrate in the abundance that we've been given. So it marks this new beginning that the disciples and the stewards, especially the disciples, which is how the passage ends, the disciples saw and they believed in him. And so it begins. The disciples were with him, but this was the first time they really saw that he's got some power. Something's different about this guy. Things are happening. Did you just see what I saw? Did you see what I saw? They did. It's the beginning of something amazing. Uh, as we celebrate Dr. King's birthday tomorrow, he will be, would have been 90 as he was born January 15th, 1929. I kind of looked in the same way this week as I was studying up for this to see what was one of the beginning phases of his ministry that others realized that, hey, something's going on different with this individual. And I looked at the Montgomery bus boycott. That was December 5th, 1955. As we look back, we see that as Rosa Parks kind of kicking off this bus boycott as she would not surrender her seat to a white patron. And Dr. King went there for that time, which lasted about a year until December 20th, 1956, the next year. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled in Brower versus Gale that bus segregation was unconstitutional. Wow, that's a pretty big deal. Some might call that a sign that things are changing, a sign that something miraculous, you might even call that. For that time in that place, something was happening. Now, I don't mean to put Dr. King on the same plane as Christ. We cannot. He was human. We know his life, but his witness was extraordinary, his faith and his courage extraordinary. Everything that he did was informed by his faith, by his God, by his Christ and his understanding of Scripture. But it was the beginning of that movement that did such amazing things that we continue to try to uphold as we remember his 90th birthday tomorrow. I also believe that we can be seen as water to wine ourselves as individual Christians. I believe that those whom we have loved, who have gone on to claim their banquet table at that messianic banquet, they have been made into new wine. And water isn't bad. We need water to survive, to live and survive. But God wants more than just to live and survive. We are in the process of transformation. When we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, when we seek Christ in our lives so that we start this process of fermentation to become this new wine that Christ has in store for us.
And that's the blessing that comes with this wedding at Cana. Something new is happening. Jesus is shaking up the existing order, getting ready to say things are going to be different. Number two, that we are to celebrate this journey in responsible, faith-centered, Christ-centered ways, parties, and celebrations. And three, that we are always in the process of being transformed from water into this new wine that Christ would have for us. So as we go today out into this world where we see so much darkness, so much brokenness, and as we celebrate this vision, this dream of reconciliation as Christ came, as Dr. King continued now is in our hands, let us be those who will take this light of Christ, this idea of celebration, transformation, and courage, and live in this world that we may continue to be transformed from water into not just wine, but good wine. Hallelujah. Amen.